Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful you are here today. So funny enough, I was getting ready to record the podcast, and I tried to record this intro about three times. (laughs) So the first time, the phone rang in the background because I realized I had forgotten to turn it off. The second time, my puppy, who is now about 10 and a half months old, little Sadie, has, she's so smart and she's learned how to open doors. So she sits and bangs with her nose long enough on the door handle and then eventually swipes it down and opens up the door. So she was doing that in the background. And then my husband came in to ask me a question in the middle of my podcasting. And so the reason why I bring that up is because we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And When you listen to a fully produced episode each week from this podcast or any other podcast, thank you to my team for making myself and my guests sound great. You know, it's one thing to just say, wow, she makes it look so easy, but you don't see all the background behind that. It's easy to look at social media and see everyone's highlight reel. It's also easy to, you know, at work, seeing other people have successes And maybe you're struggling a little bit, but you're also maybe not seeing what's going on behind the scenes and the challenges that they're working with. We all have challenges. And I also bring it up because one of my challenges that I brought forth in the beginning of the year for everyone was to really get clear on what your goals and objectives were for the year. So that can also be a challenge. We are now halfway through the year. It's crazy to think that's even possible. But we are halfway through 2021. And I would like to use this as an opportunity to check in with you. Where are you at with the goals that you set for yourself this year? We talked about it, you know, in December, planning into January, you committed to being here every week. And you know what, you might not have been perfect. You might have let your goals go, they might be on the back burner right now. They might have slipped through the the cracks in terms of priorities. Now is the perfect time since we're halfway through the year to really reassess and take a pause and look at our goals again and see where we're at and how we're doing. So, you know, COVID, I've talked about it before. COVID has been a powerful pause for so many people and a chance to reevaluate and reassess. Well, now that things are opening back up and we're on the other side of things, it's also a powerful time for you to redesign what you want moving forward. So what a great opportunity this time is right now, halfway through the year, to reevaluate, reassess, and redesign what you want for the second half of the year. So don't beat yourself up if you haven't been perfect up to this point and you haven't met every single goal. Let's let that go. Let's give ourselves some grace. And let's use this as an opportunity to move forward, which is exactly why it was the perfect time to have my next guest, Carrie Williams, on the show. Carrie is a dynamic speaker. She's a life coach. And she's also the author of an Amazon bestselling book called Eyes on the Prize, a kick-ass guide to setting and achieving great goals. And the reason why she's here today is to really get us refocused in on our goals. And if you have a BHAG goal, which I'm not sure if you know what that is, but a big, hairy, audacious goal 
for the rest of the year and you really want to achieve something great, Carrie's going to talk to you about how to do that. I know I'm not the only one who sometimes smart goals just don't resonate with me. And Carrie gives us an alternative called the great goal. And she'll talk about what the G-R-E-A-N-T mean in setting great goals and how you can apply that to these big goals in your life and make sure that they are in alignment with your core values and where you really want to go for the long term. So I can't wait for you to dive into the conversation with me, with Carrie Williams. And before I do that, as you know, I always ask you a coaching question. I invite you to think about What is the big, great goal that you have for the rest of the year? And I'm curious, why is that goal so important to you? And my last question is, what's at stake if you don't reach that goal? So as we dive into the conversation with Carrie, I invite you to think about those questions and listen to the episode with that lens. And what is one action step that you can take that'll move you closer to that goal this week. All right, there's your questions. Let's dive into the episode with Carrie Williams. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Carrie, I am super excited about this interview. So grateful you're here today. And I can't wait for you to share with my audience all of your insight and wisdom. So um, would love for you just to share a little bit about yourself and your career history. Sure. So I'm an executive and leadership coach. I'm ICF certified at the PCC level. Uh, I got my training and certification through evidence-based coaching through Fielding Graduate University up in Santa Barbara. So Coaching, like for many of us, is a second career for me that I am incredibly passionate about. But prior to coaching, I worked in the entertainment industry. I got my degree as an actor, moved out to Los Angeles, quickly realized I needed a day job. What? (laughs) (laughs) had to pay those bills. My day job was in casting. So my job all day long, every day was to tell people no. Not why not, not how to get better, just no, you're not good enough, no. and. That's a pretty exhausting and demoralizing place to be. I did this job for 12 years, but finally towards the end, I started mentoring people. So I would mentor actors who had booked a ton and then stopped booking and they didn't understand why, or um, they would always make it to the callback and never book and they couldn't figure out what was missing because at that point, it's not talent, it's mindset and attitude, and it just takes a subtle shift. And so I worked with them and they started booking again. And then I started working with some of our, the entertainment world's full of freelance and gig positions. So I started working with some of our freelance assistants and associates, and I helped three of them in a row build businesses. That's incredible. Just as a thought partner. And it was so fulfilling. And at the time, I did not realize that coaching was a real job. 
So I did a little research, found out it was, decided I wanted to get certified, uh, was exploring schools. Evidence-based coaching was a right fit for me because I am very fact-oriented. What can we measure? What can we prove? I like to say that I'll give my clients a hug if that's what they need to perform better, but it'll be followed by a kick in the butt because that's why they hired me. <laughs> I love that too. I, I always say, I give, I'll give you a kiss on the forehead and a kick in the butt. <laughs> yes. Right? Because that's part of what a coach is. A coach pushes you to expand your comfort zone to be a little bit more than you thought you could be. And that takes a little bit of toughness sometimes. So it just, it was kind of kismet. I went through the fielding orientation on Thursday. The next cohort started Monday. They had someone just drop out and they said, Carrie, we have a position available. And it felt, I, I do not make these fast leaps. I am a thinker and a plotter and I go through all scenarios before I decide. But Monday I was in class and studying to be a coach. And then as soon as I got certified, I left casting and opened my business. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you know, I could imagine saying no to people all day long had to have been exhausting and grueling, not only for the other person, but like you said, for yourself as well, to just be telling people no, but then not giving them any feedback on how they can get better. And so I love that you found your passion in helping others and then really extended that to a coaching practice. And I also know that you happen to be an author as well and wrote a great book, uh, which is why you're on the show today, called Eyes on the Prize, A Kick-Ass Guide to Setting and Achieving Great Goals, which is so important. And obviously, in my coaching practice, and I know in your coaching practice, you know, we talk to people all day long about achieving their goals. What I love about it is you have a unique way of doing it that is different from others. So I would love for you just to share a little bit about, you know, what inspired you to write the book and this new way of thinking about goals. Sure. I'm really excited about this book. And it started from working with clients and studying goal theory and goal methods that are out there. And most people learn about SMART goals in school. And I don't know if you know this, but SMART goals were created in the 80s and they haven't been changed since. I actually didn't know that, but I just know that I don't like SMART goals. So we're using they it. just don't resonate with me. They don't they resonate don't. with me either. And they don't resonate with the majority of goal setters. They're great for project management style goals. But for anyone who's setting a big, hairy, audacious goal, it doesn't work. They're not exciting. And they turn a lot of people off. And so I was trying to get people excited using SMART goals. And it wasn't working because they didn't. it doesn't align with the modern goal setter. We are a different generation. We have different needs right? We're shifting culturally. So I started working with my clients and trying to figure out what our goal setting needs are. And that's where great goals came from. So great goals is a whole methodology, a really simple one for setting a goal. And it helps you in the process of deciding what your goal is and really verbalizing it. It helps you include core elements that make it much more likely that you'll actually do the work, put the effort in and achieve the goal. And you and I know that goal setting can be hard. So anything we can do to give us an edge, we'll take it. Yeah. And what what do you think is the biggest outcome that you see for your clients in terms of using this method versus the traditional SMART goals method? Mm. So I think with great goals, there's a lot more alignment with values. 
which SMART goals doesn't even talk about. In fact, the G stands for genuine. Is the goal genuine to you? Does it align with your core values and priorities? And if it's a goal given to you by someone else, which we get a lot, right? We get these controlled goals given to us by bosses or spouses or parents or teachers. How can we get excited about them and enthusiastic about them? Because that's what it takes to maintain motivation, excitement and enthusiasm. So that's what I find is when we can align it when you're, with your core values, you are much more likely to be resilient on the path to your goal. And that's what we all need to achieve. Yeah. So um, could you share what the, with, obviously you have the G-R-E-A-T for great. So can you share what each of those is? I know you just shared around the G. Yeah. So G is genuine. Does it align with your core values and priorities? And that's tricky because that means you have to do the work to figure them out. But a great coach will help you figure that out. The R stands for reachable. And I don't mean, is it possible for you to achieve that goal? I mean, given the time, the energy, and the resources that you're willing to invest, is it reachable for you? Do you see the difference there? Because a lot of us go, so the example I use is, and this isn't necessarily a coaching example, but say someone comes to us and they go, I want to lose 50 pounds and they have 50 pounds to lose. And we say, great, that's an achievable goal. That's reachable. And then they say, oh, but I want to do it in three months. Right. A little less reachable. And then they say, but wait, I also have two hours to work out a week. That's it. Less reachable. Right. And so that's what I mean. Are you willing to put in the effort and the commitment and the investment to actually reach that big audacious goal for yourself? The E stands for exact because we know that with goals, we have to be as specific as possible. We need to know the who, the what, the when, the where, the why. The who should always be you. That's kind of a trick question. Uh, But the more we can give those details, the more clear that finish line is for us, the more likely we are to cross it. Uh, so we want to not use words like language that is ambivalent, like better or improve or more, right? I want to be a better mom. I want to make more money. We have to be really specific because if you're making a hundred thousand now and we get you to making a hundred and five thousand, you've achieved your goal, but that wasn't what you meant. Maybe in your brain, you meant 150,000. So the specificity and that exactness is really important. The A stands for affirmative. And this is twofold. It means that your goal should be an approach goal instead of an avoidance goal. We are hardwired psychologically to work towards gaining something instead of avoiding something. And I'm convinced that a lot of the reason we fail on goals like quitting smoking or losing weight is because they're inherently negative. We're focused on deprivation and avoidance instead of gaining and adding more into our lives. So take the weight loss example for, as an example. So how would you reframe that to the achievement versus the avoidance? So what we would do is shift the goal and think about what it is you hope to gain and achieve by losing that weight. Because losing weight's inherently negative, right? It's inherently deprivation. So what will you have more of once you have lost that weight? And maybe it's, I will have greater physical fitness. Maybe it's, I will be able to climb that mountain I've always wanted to climb. Maybe it's, I will have unlimited freedom to reach my goals because my body supports and sustains me to do that. So it's just a slight shift, but it's focusing on what we're working towards instead of what we're working away from. And I know a lot of people have trouble with that because they'll say, well, I'm working towards less pounds, Carrie. (laughs) Right? But, But it's really the why. 
mm-hmm. is what you're is what you're talking about is what I'm hearing you say is yeah. it's the why underneath of like what is that going to gain for you right because it is a why as as have you read Simon Sinek it's the starts with why it's the why that keeps us going when we feel deprived when we feel frustrated uh, when we feel like we're not making progress those are all times when we stop on our goal achievement journey unless we reconnect with our values and our why. The other affirm- part of affirmative is just the language we use with ourselves. Now, I don't know, when you were learning about goal setting, did you ever have anyone say, you need to state your goal like you've already achieved it? Yeah, I have to. And I, I disagree with that a little bit. And here's why. Say my goal is to make a million dollars. So if I were going to state that like it was already true, I would say, I am a millionaire. And then immediately in my brain, I go, Carrie Williams, you know exactly how many dollars and cents are in your bank account and it's not a million dollars, stop lying, right? So that puts you in mental conflict with yourself, which can distract you. Yeah, which can distract you from making progress. So we want to say it affirmatively, but we don't have to say it, we can't lie to ourselves. So instead of saying, I want to be a millionaire, or I'd like to be a millionaire, we can say, I will be a millionaire. I am on the path to being a millionaire, right? So it's affirmative. It is committed, but it's truthful and honest. Yeah. So you brought up exactly what I was going to say is that feels much more honest to me. You know, whenever I've heard that in the past, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I get the concept of, you know, thinking it, believing it, starting to to be it and so what are you doing differently because you're being it but there is always that inauthentic part of it like yeah but I know I'm not a millionaire right I know that's not really true for me um or I'm not a size two right like that's just not true and so it and it's like if you're not coming from an authentic place like the goal thing then all of a sudden it expands out then that feels inauthentic and then your actions feel inauthentic so I like this is much more in alignment with my values, which are all around, you know, authenticity and integrity. Right. And it helps the goal setters too, because so many of us struggle if you're with doubt or insecurity. If you're setting a really big goal, you don't know you're going to achieve it, but you really hope you will. You have to believe that it's possible, but you don't always know that it will happen. Right. And so we need to remind ourselves that we are on the path. The actions we're taking will get us there. Yeah, I love everything you're sharing, Carrie. And, you know, question for you is just like any other goal, you know, there's always kind of this initial excitement about it. And I'm all in, I'm going to do it. And then there's this natural dip that tends to happen. You're like, okay, well, I'm kind of reverting back to old habits or I'm getting complacent. Or, you know, I'm just, that piece of cake sounds really good. I'm just going to cheat this once. And then that turns into all week and a binge. And so once people have set these great goals, which I love the acronym, how, what is your insight around how to keep motivated towards that goal? So I think there's a couple things we could do to keep motivated. One, we can check in with our why and our purpose all the time. We can never take that for granted. We can't take for granted that once we know our why, it's just going to always be at the surface and it will keep us going. We have to check in with that. Two, we need to take our giant goals 
and break them down as small as possible and celebrate the wins every day. Because in weight loss, there are going to be weeks where that scale does not move. So you have to celebrate the progress that you are making. Maybe the scale hasn't moved, but you managed to get your booty in the workout gym and you did 10 workouts in those two weeks. Or maybe you were really diligent on what you put in your mouth or you ate mindfully. We have to, and I struggle with this myself. I'm going to be completely honest and vulnerable (laughs) here. I am a finish line girl. That's when I like to celebrate. And I'm trying to shift because if we don't celebrate along the way, if we don't acknowledge the growth and progress that we're making, if we only measure ourselves against the finish line, we're going to be consistently frustrated. And then the last thing is resilience, right? You're going to slip up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have back steps. But the question is, how quickly do you get back on track? And what do you learn from those mistakes? If you hit a mistake, you eat a whole pie and you go, well, that's it. I'm done. I can't diet. I'm, you know, I'm never going to lose the weight. Then you've quit. But if you eat a whole pie and you really gather data and figure out what motivated you to eat that pie, what you felt like after that pie, what you can do in the future to not make that same choice, then you're learning and growing and still, even though you ate a whole pie, getting closer to your goal. Yep. Makes perfect sense. So I love this idea of learning and becoming aware of our learnings because I think that's so key in any type of change behavior. So I'm curious, what's the most important thing that you learned writing the book? I like to ask that question when I have authors on. So let me tell you that writing a book is a big goal, right? And it is a long-term goal. I had the idea for the book for years before I even started. And then I thought once I started, I'd be, it'd be quick. It'd be easy. I'd be done. And then I also thought that the rough draft would be the hard part. For me, not true, Right. So what I learned in the process of writing this book is that the majority of the struggle that we have in achieving goals is self-created. It is our stories that we tell ourselves in the goal-setting process that really dictate our experience. If we tell ourselves it's going to be hard, it's going to be a struggle, it's going to take a lot of time, that is our reality. That's our truth. And we make it hard and we make it a struggle and we make it take more time. Now, this is not to say that if you say, well, this will be really easy, that it will be. But if you say it will be really hard, it will be, right? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of the negative. It doesn't work for the positive necessarily. Right. And so how did did that play out for you in the book writing process? So um, did you think that, you know, you said writing, you thought the rough draft was going to be difficult, right? Yeah, I thought that was going to be the hard part. And then once I finished that, I was like, achieve the goal. <laughs> so I wasn't clear on my finish line, because in my mind, my finish line was finishing the rough draft, and then I was going to pass it to someone and they were going to make it beautiful and brilliant. Uh, and that's not what happens. Yeah, they give suggestions, and then you have to keep writing. <laughs> so I broke that rule of I wasn't super exact on my finish line. And it was partly out of ignorance, right? I hadn't done my research. And when you don't know where your finish line is, you don't pace yourself appropriately. So I thought I was running a sprint or a 5k. And it was a marathon. And I was so upset. 
I was like, why is this taking so much time? Why isn't this done? And that's what happens is when you set certain expectations and you don't reach them, there is an emotional response to that. And sometimes that emotional response makes the process harder. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And I I appreciate you sharing that because it goes back to, like you were saying, that, that the E in great around exact of being really clear of not only what those the big goals and aspirations are, but those smaller milestones along the way. And it sounds like, you know, if you would have been clear, and I think all of us struggle with that too, of what are those key milestones so I can monitor progress to know that I'm inching forward? And and what do you say? I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. You know, we live in a VUCA world. And so, you know, it's always changing and things are always in flux. And what do you say to those leaders who are listening that say, yeah, it's great when I have a defined goal, but when things are always changing, it's hard to either define the milestones or even the finish line. What do you, what advice or or coaching would you give them? I would say it's still important to try and do your best to define it, understanding that you will be adapting it over time, right? You're going to adapt your goals based on the world. Ideally, you're only going to be adapting the timeline based on circumstances and you'll still achieve that goal. But if you set a really big goal and you get 90% of the way by the deadline, most people look at that as a failure. I sometimes personally look at that as a failure because I wanted to achieve the full finish line. But that 90% is further than you've ever gone before. And you'll still get to the 100%. It just takes a couple of weeks or a couple months longer. And, you know, I realized I did something that I actually um, don't care. I don't like when other people do. I use acronyms when sometimes people don't know what they mean. And so I just want to go back and, and just say what VUCA means. So for those that don't know, VUCA means volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So we live in this world where, especially during COVID, right? I mean, we saw so many companies and organizations changing and having to adapt and um, just everything kind of being turned upside down on its head. So I just wanted to clarify that for for my listeners. So this is a perfect segue in. I never finished the great, the T. The T when I wrote the book. How did we miss that? (laughs) I missed that. You just got excited. (laughs) The T, when I wrote the book, the T I said stood for totalitarian. And I didn't mean you should be a Nazi with your goal setting. And a lot of people really object to that word. So I've changed it slightly. It still has the same message. Your goals need to be totally in your control. Because we do live in a volatile, uncertain, chaotic world, right? And there's a lot of things that we cannot control. And if you set a goal that is outside of your power to make happen, That means you can do everything right. You can put all your effort in. You can work your little heart out. And at the last minute, achievement can be snatched away because it was never yours to achieve. Mm, Interesting. Can you give an example of that, Carrie? Well, I will go back to the beginning of my career because in the beginning, since I was in the entertainment world, I worked a lot with actors. Mm -hmm. And you guess what the top three goals for actors are. Yeah, fame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Money. Yeah. Right. And, and part, I mean, consistent work probably. So they're usually a little more specific. They want a great agent. They want to book a great job and they want to win an award. Right. I want you to think about that. Who decides if you get an agent? Yeah, that's true. The agent does. 
the agent, right? Who decides if you book a job? The director and the producers do. And who decides if you win an award? The voters. So all of those goals are out of their control. It's not to say that they're bad goals, but when we are setting a goal and working towards it, we can still have goals that are out of our control as long as we acknowledge that ultimately you can do everything right and still lose it. And then on the day-by-day steps, on the milestones, they have to be all in your control. So you have to switch it and say, what action would an award-winning actor take, right? Instead of my goal is to win an award. Or what would somebody who had this agent that I want to be with, how would they approach it and what would they do? What are the steps that need to happen? I love that example because I think sometimes we forget about that piece of it, right? I mean, that's a great example of all of those goals and aspirations being in someone else's control. And and if you get down to it, like you can go down a rabbit hole because if you're building a business and you say, I want my business to make $500,000 this year, well, technically that depends on your clients, right? But we can still build the business that is worthy of earning $500,000 a year because those businesses have certain standards and certain levels of uh, of priority and authority to them. So it's just a subtle mind shift because I know a lot of people are opposed to throwing away those goals. You can keep them. You just have to recognize. Yeah, no, I, I love that point. And would love for you, obviously, I know you're your executive coach and you work with clients would love to know maybe obviously without names, a couple of successes that you've had with your clients using this method and, you know, what's transpired for them. So I've had a few clients. Um, I thought about this because you gave me this question in advance <laughs> and I'm trying to share as much as I can without giving too many personal details because of confidentiality. But I have a few clients that have just really amazed me. I had one client who in our first session, this person wanted to, she was a lawyer. She wanted to grow her practice to a million dollars that year. And she was about halfway there. And so we had one session where we went through this program and something just clicked for her. And in our next session, she came back and she said, well, we have a problem. And I said, oh no, what happened? And she said, we have to come up with a new goal because that negotiation that I went into right after our session, I hit my million dollar goal. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I know. How exciting is that? So then we set some, you know, bigger, better, more audacious goals for her. I also work a lot with people. My favorite clients are the ones that are excited and ready to grow and they know what they want to build. But I work a lot with lawyers and and people who practice the law and they are predominantly very high stress. And most of them, when they come in my door, say, Carrie, I can't practice the law. I need to know where I'm going next. Let's figure out what my career transition is going to be. And what they discover is they can't practice the law, but the way they've been practicing it because it's not sustainable but they still have a love for the law. And so I worked with one person who entirely shifted his practice completely. He changed the area of law that he practices. He moved to a different part of the state because his priority shifted and what he recognized was the style of law he was practicing didn't align with his new priorities and values. It aligned with where he was in his 20s when he graduated law school, but not where he was right now. So that's what I love. I love the people who are 
excited and have energy and are really willing to be self-reflective and recognize that what has worked for us in the past worked till now. But if we want to get even further, we might need new techniques. We might need new habits. We might need new perspectives. Yes. Those are the ideal clients. <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any last words of wisdom you have for my listeners as we get to closing out our conversation today? Um, I would say don't hesitate to be bold. Don't be scared by goal setting. A lot of I've had clients walk at my door and they wouldn't let me use the word goal. We had to call it, we literally had to call it something else. Because every time I said goal, they would cringe. Trust that if you set a goal that is aligned with who you are, what you believe, what you truly want, and you use these elements in the great goal, trust that if you take action, you will get there. Because a lot of us don't trust that we're capable of achieving what we really desire. Yeah. And I just want to put a plug in there because that's the beauty of having a coach. Not only does the coach become that mirror for you when when the mirror gets fogged up on your side mm-hmm. and you forget to trust yourself and you forget how worthy you are and you forget how capable and how strong and how amazing you are, um, the coach becomes the, the clearer mirror to really show that to you and reflect that back to you. And the coach becomes your accountability partner right. in the entire process. So you you have your personal you know, cheerleader there, obviously, just like a coach in sports, they're not doing the work for you, but they're guiding you and making sure that you're in alignment so you can win the game and you can achieve those goals. So obviously the power of coaching, which is why we, what we both believe in and, and why it's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I even, I work with a coach because I know I do too. <laughs> that I cannot see my blind spots. Yeah. I cannot always see where my beliefs and my actions don't align. Take someone outside of us to see that sometimes. The only other takeaway I would say, if you take one thing away is goal setting is not selfish. A lot of people think, a lot of people think goal setting selfish because it's usually about something that you want. It's usually about bettering yourself and they usually take time and energy, right? Which means a lot of times the people in your life have to sacrifice because we give a lot of time and energy to other people. And if we're going to start focusing that time and energy on our goals, it feels selfish to pull it away. But goal setting is really more of self-care. Goal setting is about personal development and growth. It's about personal betterment. And even if a goal is to attain something that you really want, like a house or a car, that might feel inherently selfish, but it is teaching yourself the skills of achievement, teaching yourself the skills of resilience, teaching yourself the skill of commitment. And also goal setting can be a great way to give back. Think about the people who set altruistic goals and think about the other people who get residual benefit from your goal. I bet you can think of a goal that you have set for yourself, worked really hard to achieve, and other people in your life benefited from it. Absolutely. And and I love this example because most of my listeners, not all, I have a few good men that listen, but most of my listeners are women. And I see that resonating a lot with women around, okay, if I focus in on this, I'm putting time towards it. It's really focused on me, about me doing something better. And, you know, one of my feelings is 
my mission is to really help women, you know, elevate in organizations or do things that they absolutely love and helping them create more wealth for themselves. And some women feel so selfish about that. But when you can reframe that and you can help them understand that when women accumulate wealth and power and position, they 99% of the time use it for impact and use it for change. And that's where I know that I can have the biggest ripple effect as a coach is, you know, helping women create that for themselves so they can create that for others. So I love that you share that insight because I think it's especially true for women. I think so too. And particularly true for mothers. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Because there's that struggle of, if I focus on myself, I'm not giving my children everything that they need to have. I just want to state for the record, even though I am not a mom, I work with a lot of mother clients and I can tell you that your children benefit from a happy, purposeful, fulfilled mother. Absolutely. I I completely agree with you. And for a long time, when I was an early mom, that was my mindset. And I transitioned. And and it's interesting to see how the girls react to me when they see me taking care of myself, when they see me doing work that I love, when they see me focusing in on myself. You know, they acknowledge that. They appreciate that. And we're also being role models for them, whether they're, you know, little boys or little girls, in terms of what it looks like to be a strong woman and prioritize self-care and prioritize what you want in life. And I think it's important that we don't teach our girls to completely self-sacrifice for everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, we do have a cultural bias where we do that. But the thing that we have learned as coaches is that self-care is not selfish. It's actually a key element of success. You cannot be successful if you don't practice self-care. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I, I think I got just as much out of it as my listeners. Um, so thank you for the the coaching session. Super helpful. And just to really appreciate you being here. I will absolutely have your contact information in the show notes. But if you could share with listeners where they could pick up your book, that would be great. Sure. You can pick it up on Amazon. Or if you want an autographed copy, you can go to eyesontheprizebook.com, order it through there. That way I get all the proceeds and profit instead of the big box Amazon. But it is a great book, not just because I wrote it, but because it is like having a coach in your pocket. So if you aren't in the point in your life where you can work with one of us or another great coach, start on your own. Don't wait until everything works out perfectly for you. Start making your progress right now. Oh, I love that. And I'll have the link to Eyes on the Prize in the show notes as well for people so they can easily get to buying your book and getting started on meeting their great goals. So thanks, Carrie, for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Thank you.
Thank you.